This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. Welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. How deeply has China's intelligence infiltrated Taiwan's security? An investigation by the newswire Reuters reveals the extent of China's campaign to penetrate the country's leadership and military. The findings of the reports stem from documents detailing convictions and trials of those accused of espionage, which includes high-level military officials. As Jaime Ocon reports, the revelations come as politicians call for tougher national security laws. A ribbon-cutting ceremony to open a center at a Taipei University becomes an opportunity for a reporter to question the president's confidence in a security detail. It goes unanswered. A Reuters investigation claims Beijing penetrated the Taiwan leader's protection unit, citing the conviction of a retired presidential security officer and a serving military police lieutenant colonel for leaking information to a Chinese intelligence agency. The report also details how Beijing allegedly sought out commanders in the Taiwan military and induced them to become spies. The opposition Kuomintang Party was quick to point the finger at the ruling party for the perceived cracks in security. The report largely bases its findings on a series of convictions for military espionage in recent years. The documents reveal that China has been spearheading a campaign to undermine the democratic island's military and civilian leadership. Taiwan's ruling party says the convictions show that the island has been able to evade China's infiltration. The Reuters investigation highlights how Taiwan's counterintelligence measures focus on compromised senior officers of the island's armed forces and government agencies. Its findings are backed by documentation surrounding a series of convictions handed down in the courts. Legislators from the ruling party have now proposed a dedicated legal system and judges to deal with Chinese espionage and other national security cases. Analysts warn any compromise in Taiwan's security will have much wider implications, saying that the repeated cases of espionage can make its main ally, the United States, reluctant to share advanced weapons or sensitive intelligence for fears it could be leaked to Beijing. But the report shows that the espionage goes both ways. Citing official documents and interviews with current and retired officials, Reuters says that Taiwan too has been spying on its neighbor, as part of a decades-long effort to understand Beijing's intentions. Klein Wong and Jaime Ocon for Taiwan Plus. It was the deadliest railway crash in Taiwan's history. The derailing of a train in April prompted the government to promise an overhaul of the organizations which oversee rail safety. The team of new inspectors is due to begin work next year. But so far, there are more positions than there are applicants. James Chater has the details. It was the deadliest railway crash in Taiwan's history. In April this year, 49 people were killed and over 200 injured when a train collided with a truck that had fallen onto the tracks in Hualien County on Taiwan's northeast coast. In the crash's aftermath, the government promised reform, ordering Taiwan's railway bureau to hire more track inspectors. But now, the same bureau says that for 16 available inspector positions, only 12 applications have been received. The bureau is putting the lack of applicants down to the high requirements for the position, at least four years in railway operations or practical repair and maintenance. And that's despite the monthly starting salary being twice Taiwan's minimum wage. 
The Railway Bureau has said the inspectors will be the new front line in ensuring the safety of Taiwan's railways, overseeing an increase in the frequency of inspections. Until recently, inspections only took place once a year. A New York Times investigation into April's crash found systemic failures at Taiwan's railway administration led to what they say was a preventable disaster. And it's the concerns over lack of oversight of Taiwan's railways caused by April's disaster that prompted a national discussion about the safety of the country's network. In October 2018, 18 people died and 175 were injured when another train derailed in nearby Ilan, also on Taiwan's northeastern coast. According to government statistics, there have been more than 300 major railway accidents in Taiwan since 2012, which have claimed the lives of over 400 people. But Taiwan's Transportation Safety Board has expressed concerns about the independence of the new inspectors. That's because the Railway Bureau and the Taiwan Railways Administration, one of Taiwan's main railway operators, are both part of the same government department. In response, the Railway Bureau says external organizations like the Transportation Safety Board will be sought if a conflict of interest arises. But until robust, trusted oversight of Taiwan's railways is in place, fears of a repeat of April's disaster will be difficult to assuage. Damon Lin and James Chater for Taiwan Plus. Terry Go, the founder of Taiwanese contract manufacturing giant Foxconn, has warned that he expects blackouts in Taiwan next year. It follows the failure of a referendum looking to restart the country's controversial fourth nuclear power plant. The government has said that it has put in suitable measures to ensure a steady supply of electricity, and says that even if the fourth nuclear power plant were restarted, it would take over a decade for it to come online. But Go said the public must take responsibility for the referendum outcome. Officials from Taiwan and Japan are meeting later this week to strengthen trade ties between the two countries. Taiwan has banned food imports from areas affected by Japan's Fukushima nuclear plant disaster since 2011. But as Bing Wang reports, the government may soon change its policy. For 10 years, food products like these from Fukushima have been banned in Taiwan, but now there's a push to get that embargo lifted. When it was put to them in the referendum in 2018, the Taiwanese chose to keep the ban. But over the weekend, Taiwan voted to allow previously banned American pork products as long as they meet international safety standards. That and the country's interest in joining the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, or the CPTPP, Has the Taiwanese government optimistic that Taiwanese people will now be open to food imports from areas affected by the Fukushima disaster in 2011? Taiwan formally applied to join the CPTPP in September. It's one of the world's biggest trade blocs, accounting for 13.5% of global trade. 
Economic Affairs Minister Wang Meihua says that besides trade considerations, the health and safety of its citizens is paramount. The Taiwanese government is meeting with its Japanese counterparts on Christmas Eve, hoping to further trade ties. And while the agenda has not been set, the lifting of the Fukushima food import ban is likely to be on the table. Ricky and Bing Wang for Taiwan Plus. Taipei has summoned a top South Korean diplomat to explain the last-minute cancellation of a speech by Taiwan's digital minister Audrey Tang at a conference in Seoul. Tang was due to give a virtual address to the fourth global policy conference in South Korea's capital on December 16th, but just hours before, conference organizers informed Tang's office that her talk had been cancelled. In an email, the organizers said the speech was cancelled due to various aspects of cross-strait issues. It follows a similar incident at the recent U.S.-led summit for democracy. Tang's video feed was cut after her background displayed Taiwan in a different color to China. American basketball player William Artino has been granted citizenship of the Republic of China, Taiwan's official name, allowing him to represent the country in international competitions. Artino received his Taiwanese ID card after completing the naturalization process to become a citizen. The basketball center follows in the footsteps of Quincy Davis, who completed the same process to represent Taiwan in 2013. Tino chose Taiwan as his second home after turning away several offers from other countries. He says he and his wife enjoy Taiwanese culture and that he is looking forward to representing Taiwan on the world stage. Education Minister Pan Wenzong has said he expects five to eight Taiwanese athletes to qualify for the Beijing Winter Olympics. Taiwan speed skater Huang Yuting has already qualified for two events at next year's Games. Pan said he is pushing for all athletes and coaches to receive a COVID vaccine booster shot before leaving for the Games. While countries including the US, UK, Australia and Canada have announced a diplomatic boycott of the Games over China's human rights record, Taiwan has so far made no indication of following in their footsteps. Imagine packing your bags and moving 12,000 kilometers away, then deciding to stay and make it your home. Here's the story of a South African family who have done just that. They set down roots in a rural part of northeastern Taiwan. Our reporter, Sandy Chi, found out why. 15-year-old Sebastian Meyer stands out in this performance of a Taiwanese opera, Journey to the West. He is actually a South African who traveled east to Taiwan with his family in 2017. I just like being here and communicating with friends and how easy it is to be a part of Taiwan and them considering you as uh, one of uh, a Taiwanese, basically. Sebastian lives in Ilan with his family, his parents, two siblings and their grandmother. They joined an uncle who settled here 16 years earlier. Being back at home, I think there were too many struggles and difficulties that came um, that came upon us, for instance, like farm murders, like um, the road rages that was there, burning the fires, that was more a, a frightening 
I would say, time that I would say, listen, I just need to flee. Initially, the mayors worried about learning the language and fitting in, especially for their adopted son, Dabul. But their concerns were quickly put to rest. The people are just nice here because there's some stuff like what you can't do in South Africa and then when you come here, then it's like you can just do it. One thing the mayors did in South Africa that they're still doing here is make this traditional milk tot. Mandy feels it's important to hold on to their heritage. As settled they are now, there are still challenges to their life in Taiwan. I have to fly out every six months um, because I'm on a visitor's visa. Now with COVID, I have um, I had a little bit of respite. I have I could stay, and they renewed my visa. But that is one big difficulty for me because I have been um, diagnosed with COPD, and it's very difficult for me to fly. But the mayors are hopeful their grandmother's residency issue will be resolved. They feel fortunate to be among only 887 South Africans to have settled in Taiwan. Although half a world away from their land of origin, they're glad they made the journey east to this island that's now their home. Patrick Chen and Sandy Chi for Taiwan Plus. Thank you for watching Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. We'll leave you with pictures of Kowatis enjoying a fruit dumpling feast at Shoshan Zoo in southern Taiwan. For more stories from Taiwan and around the world, please download the Taiwan Plus app. Stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com. Thank you.